Welcome back to the Petcash Pod presented by Profluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. This is episode 61 of my series where I interview founders, investors, athletes, and the smartest people in sports. We had a smart person today, that is for sure. Tim Malik, he is the CEO and co-founder of Combat IQ. They're a sports data and technology company helping combat sports, at least at the start, have better analytics around fighting. And uh, they have some, which we talk about on the podcast, some future sports that they're looking to get into. But really insightful conversation just around machine learning, AI, computer vision, and uh, where, honestly, even the sports betting and combat sports markets are going. Tim has a fascinating background coming from the football scouting world. And uh, you'll really enjoy this one. A lot of PhDs on the Combat IQ team. Tim as well, smart dude. I enjoyed this one and learned a bunch. You will as well. Let's dive right in. Tim, what's up, brother? We were uh, talking a little bit before this, just around your background and how you got into Combat IQ. So uh, I stopped you. I was like, all right, let's just do this on the pod. So tell us you got a fascinating background in football leading into uh, computer vision and crazy cool stuff with Combat IQ. So, you know, give us the rundown of how you got here and, uh, you know, where how you found yourself sitting in the seat today building this unique company at the intersection of combat sports and, and data and machine learning. Yeah, I appreciate that, Andrew. And first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, talk a little bit about how we got to this point. I guess I'd have to turn back the clock to about 2014. When I first got into pro football, I met a guy named Jim Barker who was the the general manager of Toronto Argonauts, he gave me an opportunity to work with them. I ended up working with Toronto for about, uh, you know, half a decade. I spent five seasons with them. The scouting side. So, you know, I, I did a lot of drafts, combines, a lot of player and character evaluation. And, you know, for a while, I thought that was that was my career. I loved it every day. You know, it was amazing to work up and work in sport, wake up and work in sports. But then 2019, you know, I decided a lot of things were changed for me. I decided to leave. At the same time, you know, I, I, I went to, to go try to do something else. All sports stopped because of the pandemic. Um, and, and you know, real quick, I, I found this hunger. I'm like, damn, I need to see some people compete. And, you know, cut to Dana White. He, he found a way to keep on putting shows on throughout the pandemic. Dana White is the president of the UFC, if you're not familiar. Um, so he went to Abu Dhabi at Yaz Island, and every week he would put on shows. Now, I was in uh, South Asia at the time. I was learning to navigate developing economies, and I'd wake up every weekend without fail, 4 a.m., and I'm a little bit of a sports better myself. So I'd go on, put some money on the fights, make it a little bit more exciting for myself. At the same time, I'd, I'd go look for that data to make the right bets. And I found that there was virtually nothing outside of what UFC was putting out there. Um, so I went and found my co-founder, Dr. Christian Jung out of Switzerland. And we started Brainstorm Solutions to kind of uh, contribute to that space. And that's what brought us to Combat IQ. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the team now, because I know you got, you've expanded since then. You have, I mean, you look at your website, you just see a bunch of PhDs. You're like, wow, these are, these must be some pretty smart people right here. You know, how'd you go about building it? I mean, how did you even found, find your co-founder in Switzerland? It seems like you guys all came together around this common theme in some pretty interesting ways. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, it's kind of a wild story, but you know, I, I initially in the early days, I was looking at, um, you know, freelancing websites and things like that about somebody that could help me create more accurate bets with the data that was out there because there there wasn't much. And I eventually stumbled on a profile of what would be my co-founder. And and I saw he went to some fantastic schools and, and he had, but he had no his, uh, work history. So I was really confused. You know, he went to ETH Zurich, EPFL. He spoke like eight languages, a black belt in martial arts. And I'm like, this guy is perfect for what I'm doing. 
attacking international problem with a martial arts background and a technolo technological background. So we started, you know, just initially doing some early projects just to see how we'd work well together. We did that for about six months. And then we both flew to the United Kingdom. He flew, he was in Brazil at the time. I was in Pakistan at the time. So we met there in the middle and we spent about a week together. And, and after that week, we signed some partnership papers, you know, and, and there you go. The, the partnership combat actually was born. That was almost uh, two years ago now. Um, and, and, you know, since then I, I've grown, he's grown to, I call him a friend, you know, I know his family quite well. And, and it's, it's great to see that that random connection has ended up into something that, you know, was real that we can build together. And, and we have a really, uh, we have really complementary skill set, which I love. And together we built out a strong team. Like you mentioned, we have a number of PhDs, which is the industry standard. So we have a team, I believe we have seven engineers now, uh, five PhDs, two masters, all from, you know, the top universities in Europe. Uh, because the, the problems we're solving computer vision, while we're applying them to sport, they're complex problems, can be applied to a robust and diverse range of topics. But, but we've selected sports, so that's our passion, um, and that's what we know. But either way, it requires some real brain power to solve for that, which is why we built out this team. We really looked at those universities that have high, have high talent in the space and the fields that we're working in. So we haven't just gone to anybody that's Hey, like, do you want to do this? No. So we're looking for very specific people with very unique skill sets that can contribute to what we're building. Yeah, dude, I love the origin stories, as I mentioned before, and it's a super cool one as well. Now, when you look at, I know you mentioned the niche kind of uh, approach where you were doing stuff in the combat sports world in terms of betting and watching, and you said, oh, okay, here's a solution that I don't have that I, you know, I might as well build it myself. Yep. But then when you went to look deeper into the research into these markets of data, machine learning, and stuff in sports. What did you find? You know, how did you go and develop beyond that? Because there are some things out there where you hear about sport radar, or genius sports, or stats performer. You hear about these ones, but a lot of times people are like, I have no clue what they do. So how did you then go take it to the next step in your research? So I guess the big thing there, you know, getting in front of, of these people was the first crucial step. Getting in front of genius sports, sport radar, stat form, learning from the inside. You know, I've always been of the mindset that it's always best to like, you know, if I could get a job there and learn from them and then go start something, that's fantastic. But we went a different way. We just jumped in the deep end. And I'm fortunate to say that we've had a lot of support since. So we've done some incubators, accelerators, et cetera. And, and that's really expanded our network in the sports data field, especially Techstars Network in, in London. You know, we've been put in touch for, with a lot of people from Genius and Radar and all that. And we've got some really great inside learnings about their processes and their technologies, as well as talking to customers understanding where some of the bottlenecks are. You know, in combat, outside of the UFC, it's largely been manual tracking. People sit there with a video game controller or they're sitting in their back room and, and calculating stats. Uh, when I was in pro football, I saw a similar sort of mentality. I think Genius Sports has just signed with the CFL as of last year, and that was a league that I was in. So, you know, before that, I, was, I would always hear, you know, these two stats guys sitting up in the booth just arguing about whether that was seven yards or six yards. And I always thought, this is so inefficient. There's no way that this is the, the way they do things. And then slowly start to understand that there's different types of, of tracking technologies available to track different metrics. Some are employed in major sports, like Second Spectrum does it for the NBA. There's a couple that do it for the NFL. But, but really, the, what problems are being tracked and solved in combat sports, that technology can't solve for. So we saw there's a real lack of an available technology to cater to that individual sports industry where unique movements are so impactful. I mean, I, I, we track 7,000 key points on the body. We essentially, you know, have these, these unique models that allow us to capture depth information 
from minimal amount of lenses. And that's something that isn't really available in a lot of other sports, especially when you talk about object identification that's used in the NFL and NBA. Yeah. And give us just for people, I mean, most of us have non-technical backgrounds. So just give us the, I guess, quick rundown of combat IQ as how you see it full, you know, what exactly it does, but then also how it's used. I know you had mentioned sports betting, but how, you know, and I'm sure you're going to like viewership and just other cool angles that you can take with it. Absolutely. At our core, what we do is we do markerless motion tracking. We track human movement and we quantify it. We make that available for downstream use with sports leagues. And what downstream use looks like is we're talking about sports betting, broadcast enhancements, visualizations. I often give the example of the World Cup. So if you saw the World Cup, I believe last year that was in Qatar, you know, they had all these really cool augmented reality overlays. You know, you could automatically see if a ball was offside. And that sort of tech just wasn't present in combat sports. So we've provided that solution. Our technology, we use computer vision to extract real-time data. So everything we do is sub-second latency to enable the broadcast visualizations, the betting, and any other component that data will will help drive uh, within a fan viewership and a monetization uh, lens. And in terms of the data, how do you use it then to enhance sports betting decisions or how to enhance the viewing? I know you talked about a little bit through the AR, but... You know, how do you collect it so fast that it can be in real time? Or, you know, what are some of those things that if you're you're sports betting, like what are you looking for to go, oh, okay, here's some insights that can help me make some better, you know, predictions? So we're very much a B2B business. What we do is we extract this data using so we essentially have a computer watch the fight and extract a, a lot of different data points. We then process that and create odds from that, delivering that to betting companies, making it available to their betters. So from a better's perspective, what they'll notice is that new markets are available. One of our big value adds is that we power in-play markets. We enable in-play markets to exist and micro betting markets as well. So, you know, outside of the UFC and, and now APFL, you know, there's largely been no in-play betting in combat sports. I mean, I was talking to the guys over at the matchroom and they're like for Anthony Joshua fight, you're still not able to bet in-play officially. So, you know, to enable that is, is really big, really important. We enable those micro betting markets and then as well as the, the broadcast visualization side, typically the bottom one third. So there was a while I was looking at the Nielsen reports and they said there's three MMA leagues in the top 20 most valuable sports properties on the planet. Out of those three, only one was providing stats on their events and their fighters to their fans. So when I started this, I was really confused. I said, this is a a really crucial component of pro sports. Data and sports are synonymous with one another. And you need to enable your event data to fully maximize not only betting, but fan engagement and allow those diehard fans to engage with your sport at a higher level. Yeah, and obviously the name Combat IQ makes sense. You're filling this void, but I'm sure there's some sports after. You know, what what else can you apply this to? You know, what what's kind of on the roadmap from that perspective? Yeah, so right now for 2023, our focus is fully combat sports. But you're right. You know, we've seen a lot of sports have a, a lack of of the available infrastructure to to provide these different monetization avenues and drive viewership. So we have started conversations with other sports, but that's something for for 2024 and you know, really, we're, we're focused on that niche of emerging sports and one-on-one and two-on-two sports. This is really our core area. We feel our tech contributes best there. So these are the areas where we've limited ourselves to moving forward. But at the, at the moment, I'm just focused on combat sports for 2023. Yeah, and I know hard's a relative term, but, you know, where does combat sports fit into? I know like racket sports. So, for example, like a tennis would be possibly on your roadmap. You know, are, are, are there some sports that, are, as I'm assuming, are much harder than others? Like I said, it's a relative term, but, you know, what what's kind of the, 
I don't know, the range on that? Or what, what, what are some of the ones where it's just harder, some that are easier to, to be done? So it really comes down, there's a lot of factors that come into play here. I mean, is it the number of people on the field? What type of movements need to be quantified? What is the infrastructure of that sport? I mean, do they have the necessary cameras already there? You know, one of the big things we do is we don't ask for additional cameras to be installed. We tap into existing infrastructure. So, you know, that way we try to make it extremely scalable, work with leagues from all over the world who may not have the ability to, to purchase, you know, a million dollar camera or something like that. So, you know, we work with iPhones, GoPros, and, and just make it accessible and scalable. I would say that in terms of the difficulty, you know, I've built a, a pretty, pretty damn good team that difficulty isn't really on the radar right now. We're tr trying to figure out what makes financial sense and how we can build a scalable business. In terms of providing a solution, we're confident in our ability to solve for that. Yeah, from your perspective, what's been more challenging? Bringing together the, the right people on the PhD side, like scaling the team? Has it been more like selling to these entities? Has it been the actual building of the product? Or, you know, just from an early stage sports startup, you know, what are some of those things you've encountered? And, you know, what is your, I guess, what were some of those challenges? So I would say, you know, they're all, they're all challenges, of course, when you're starting out. The first one was the tech. I mean, it was just me and my co-founder when we started this. So to build out a commercially viable and scalable solution took a lot of time and it was quite difficult. It took us about two years. And since then, we've added a lot of people that have contributed that, to that um, to get us to this point. And, and kind of on that note, you know, adding the team was, it was difficult, but at the same time, it was, um, it was easy because once we found somebody we liked, we knew that this was the guy. I've tried to bring the principles that I found in pro football of team building and, and building a championship culture into combat IQ. So, you know, we look at character, not only skills, and, and we've identified people that build a strong culture within the company and can service our clients the best way possible and, and be really reactive and responsive to anything that any of the needs that the industry has. And then lastly, you know, dealing with the clients has been, it has been great so far. We've got really good response. Obviously, every once in a while, you get a client that uh, is a little bit more difficult than others, but, uh, you know, it's the name of the game. You learn to deal with it. And being in pro sports for so long, I understand the the nature and and the mindset of individuals in the industry, and I'm I'm used to it. So nothing yeah. too crazy for me. Yeah, that's sports for you and clients for you all in one right there. Uh, now, you had mentioned, obviously, the scouting and football perspective. We can even just apply this to combat now. Do you... What's like the scouting capabilities? What if you built this into a, you know, Conor McGregor when he's 16 and you're watching some of his fights? Like, is there data on that that could be applicable to scouting as well? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But I can just tell you, at least, you know, looking from a football perspective, and I still talk to a lot of professional general managers today of football teams, and I'm always asking them, hey, how is AI affecting what you're doing? And it's just, it's normally a very archaic mindset. You know, when it comes to identifying talent, People don't really believe in tech. It's a lot of gut feeling sort of stuff. You know, I, I got one answer was like, give me a clipboard and a, and a, and a pencil piece of paper and no AI is going to beat me. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Scouting is probably not an avenue where it's commercially viable for us to really scale. It could be a val it could be value added, uh, you know, something we provide to leagues down the road. But early on, it's not necessarily something that we're focused on. Now, in terms of its ability to actually produce results, I'm very confident that it would significantly improve onboarding and pipelines of talent. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to what are decision makers going to use? And so far, we haven't got the indications that that's something of interest at the moment. That's interesting. Especially football, too, is probably the worst to go for, for yeah. scouting. Just <laughs> that, that, Those mindsets are just 
Oh, you know, I'm always right. And my gut That's feel right. and my eyes never, they're never wrong. So right. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But I guess off that, obviously you deal in the more computer vision, machine learning, but AI plays a part in even what you're doing. You know, what what are you looking for being on the technical side in that space? Like what what are you, you know, keeping a close eye on? Just because most of us, we might go, I might be like, oh, chat GPT is interesting. But someone like yourself, you might be like, oh, yeah, I've known about that five years ago. So what are some of these technologies in that lane that you're, you know, really paying close attention to, to see how you can either implement it into combat IQ, your personal life, whatever, just because you're like, oh, this is where it's going. This is interesting. So I will say that the massive increase in attention AI has gotten in the last year has, has really helped us in terms of not only educating, but helping helping clients, customers understand what the impact can be. I would I would say that, you know, when we talk about AI as a core within combat IQ, computer vision is really our, our bread and butter. It's our foundation. LLMs and, and these different language models that are out there are, are very helpful in terms of productivity. And I think in terms of being a startup founder, no matter what space you're in, they're very useful. Specifically for what we do in terms of sports, it helps more on the delivery to customers and end and consumers than it is to actually create a service. Uh, and by that, I mean, so we create the data, make that available. Now, what you can do with that data, we bring in you know, LLMs and natural language processing to, to kind of navigate some of that data, create actionable results. So there, it's very helpful. But in terms of actually producing the data, that, that comes down to computer vision, and that is the core enabler for everything else downstream is what is your data extraction capabilities. And, and we're quite confident with ours and the computer vision models that we've used to create those. Do you own the data too that you guys collect? So that's pending to agreements we have with leagues. You know, we work that out with those leagues, but uh, there's there's a lot of ownership on both sides there. Yeah, I guess, what's the long-term picture? Like, let's just say you expand over to 10 sports. You know, do you have some ideas of some other interesting things you could build off? And obviously the technology is going to change and things are, you know, there's going to be a lot that, it can be in flux, but do you have anything in your mind of a long term where you're like, oh, like this could be super cool? You know, at the end of the day, when we started this, my goal was very much, I'd always say, if somebody's getting punched in the face somewhere, I want to be there to extract the data. You know, Combat <laughs> IQ should be the global solution for combat sports. But beyond that, you know, as I've said, we start to look at other sports and, and how we can expand. I think that there's a real opportunity that, you know, we are building the premier data extraction capabilities in sports in general. With the processing speed, the robustness of the tech, we can apply this to a number of sports and we're looking for those right partners that can help us grow and put us in front of those leagues to then provide the solution that is, you know, from our perspective, very clearly the gold standard within the industry so far. The people we poached have allowed us to stay on the forefront of innovation. You know, we've, we've grabbed people from universities, from other companies that have allowed us to really delve deep into what is just coming out now and, and apply robust tech in a scalable, commercializable way. Anything else on the sports front that you're paying attention to trend-wise beyond just like your little niche? Is there anything that you're going, oh, this is interesting or, yeah. you know, you're keeping a close eye on to go, okay, this could impact us later. This could just impact the space in general. Sure. So I wouldn't, you know, just to correct you, I wouldn't call the niche little, but, uh, you know, we have, a, we, have a number, not well. we have a number, we have a number of things we're focusing on. I guess the big thing that I'm looking at is really the regulation of sports betting globally. It's less on the tech side, but more in terms of trends and pro sports. Is as we're seeing countries regulate betting, we're seeing a lot of different additional benefits of that. So Adam Silver said, you know, he believed that sports betting can is a is a great tool to drive fan engagement. He attributed 
20% of the NBA's growth from 2010 to 2019 to sports bet. Um, and as other leagues start to see the possibilities of sports betting and when it gets regulated in their markets, they're understanding the impact of it, not only from a monetization happening, but from a driver perspective and growing your sport to becoming more mainstream. So it's really appealing for us to understand that and how we can contribute toward their efforts to integrating that into their promotion. Yeah, the sports betting front's interesting, especially on the uh, U.S. side with the three biggest states in Texas, Florida, and California not even being legalized yet. There's a lot of room to grow. And then also, if you even look at women's sports and the growth there, it's people say a lot of different reasons, but I would I would argue very heavily that it's very much sports betting, sports betting driven because the WNBA, I mean, you go on, I was just watching, I don't know, some Instagram reels or something the other day, and there were some clips and people were like, oh yeah, I watched that game because I was betting on it. And it's like, yeah, that's the growth of the WNBA right there, which is, yeah. which is cool. It's going to bring to a lot of different avenues. But yeah, no, Tim, appreciate you coming on today. I guess leave people with where they can find out more about Combat IQ, website, socials, and, and uh, get in contact with you guys. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. You can check us out at combatiq.io or find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at the official Combat IQ. We're always happy to hear from people, understand how we can apply our tech and, and always keen to, to have some conversations with interesting people. So feel free to reach out and, and thank you very much for having me, Andrew. I really appreciate it and appreciate your time to build a platform for me to be able to speak on. Thanks. Of course, Tom. Yeah, I'm rooting for you guys. You're building, building something cool. I love these, these, uh, these plays and just around solutions that you had or problems like the solutions to the problems you had so keep on rolling with combat iq as well awesome thanks andrew